Let's go to the Word of the Lord. Let's apply some practical application so that we can continue to grow and go deeper for the Lord. We've been looking at the Bible and gaining our confidence that it is an inspired book, inspirited, God-breathed upon these authors over 1,500 years, separated by different continents, different languages, uh, uh, many, many different authors, yet one message. We see the miraculous work of God in this Bible, in His Word, in this book. And as we've been getting confidence to use it and to develop it and to understand it, now we're going to go into some practical application of how do I study the Bible. And uh, for the next couple weeks, that's what we're going to concentrate on. So, we begin in this passage of Scripture of 1 John 2, 27. But the anointing that you received from Him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in Him. Now let's just talk about that for a minute. It's an interesting concept. First of all, he says, the anointing that you received from him abides or remains in you. Why is that different than the Old Testament? Yeah, the Spirit came upon them. They were still in Adam as far as their nature. So the sin nature was still within them. The Holy Spirit could anoint, could come upon them. And in special callings, there were anointed kings and anointed prophet. How many of you know the meaning of anointed is Messiah? Okay. Yeah, so the word Mashiach is anointed. So David was the Messiah for his time. Not the Messiah, but a Messiah for his time. An anointed king. Samuel was an anointed prophet. He was there. The judges were anointed ones to rule Israel and to help through that time, that the Spirit would abide on them. But John is telling us something different happened. Since you were crucified with Christ, the nature in Adam was put to death, and you are now a new creation, created in Christ Jesus. Old things are what? Passed away. And so the anointing that you received at salvation isn't going to leave. It abides in you. And if it abides in you, he goes on and he says, there's no need that anyone should teach you. What? Everybody go home. You don't need a teacher. Why do we not need a teacher? The Holy Spirit, the one who is the God-breathed Word now, dwells in us we've got the author how many of you like to listen to books audio books yeah instead of reading you like coming in the ear gate instead of the eye gate some folks do right we've got the author he's not on dvd mp3 he's in you and me he abides in us he stays he remains in us Well, why would he say that you don't need a teacher, but one of the the callings and giftings of the fivefold ministry is teacher? Wouldn't that be a waste? Okay. We can still learn from each other, can't we? 
And though you sit under a teacher, you still have to confirm whether what that guy's teaching is correct or incorrect. And what you can receive from it. So you can hear teachings and teachers, but it's got to be confirmed by the abiding Holy Spirit, who is the anointing, who will lead you into all truth. So that's what he's saying. So first of all, when you study the Bible, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit, reveal your truths to me. Some of you feel that you just don't get it. You're not smart enough. You're not equipped enough. You don't have enough theological base that you can't understand this word. Yes, you can. And you don't need some preacher to always preach to you. Go to the Word and open your ears up to hear what the Spirit says. All right? That's a depth. There's a, 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 a great story of a profound theologian. This man was retiring from the university that he taught in. He's written a number of books. He's, he's acclaimed as a theologian extraordinaire. And as he was uh, greeted to the podium and people just uh, lauded all praise upon him and as he came forward, he uh, uh, spoke and and he allowed some questions, and, and one young man said, uh, Sir, you're, you're an amazing theologian and man of God. Could you tell me, out of all the books that you've read and all the years of study, could you speak to us about what you consider the most profound truth that you've discovered in all of your studies? And he said, Yes, yes, I can. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. I am weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. We don't need all the profound things. The simplest things are profound that God so loves us. So, know that the Holy Spirit is going to take you into your studies. Whether it's a quick read or a long study, the Holy Spirit is there with you. And he says this, as his anointing teaches you. As his anointing does what? Teaches you. His anointing is teaching you. How many of you have ever been taught by the Holy Spirit while you're watching a secular movie? Right? How many of you have burst out into tears by the move of the Holy Spirit while you're listening to a secular song? With the Holy Spirit, he translates everything into Christ's glory. I, I've, how many of you feel the move of God when you see a Hallmark commercial? <laughs> because there's love there. See, the Holy Spirit can take anything and teach us. So your study in the Word of God is being brought to you by the author himself, the Holy Spirit. Let him teach you. His anointing teaches you about a few things. What does it say? Everything. Everything. It, are you kidding me? Are you telling me that I can get my marriage right if I would read this? That I could maybe mend the problems I have with the people at work? Right? That I can deal with those secret sins that are besetting in my life? He'll teach me and instruct me about everything. Money, finance, you name it, he'll do it. And it is true and it is no lie. Just as just as it has taught you, 
Now you abide in him. He abides in you. What's the outcome that he wants? You abide in him. It's a collateral thing here, isn't it? Amen. We don't go visit him. He's in us always. Now, let's look at some tools for studying. So the first tool, obviously, is prayer. That was my point from 2 John. The, uh, 1 John 2.27 is the Holy Spirit. That's your first tool in Bible study. Pastor, I don't have a concordance. I don't have a Bible dictionary. I don't have con- uh, commentaries. You got the Holy Spirit. Yes. Start there. And that is everything we need. What are some other tools that we can use? A good Bible translation. We went over that a couple weeks ago. The difference between a word-for-word translation a concept translation, and then a paraphrase. You can use all of them. We don't have to shrink back because there's many different Bibles. Use them all. They're all different tools. How many of you have ever seen all the different kind of hammers that there are? Did you know there's different weights to hammers? When you're framing, you use a different weight hammer than when you're nailing in tacks. Right? There's just many different kinds. So there's many different kinds of Bibles that you can use and utilize. Some for deep study, some for devotion. Okay? So you need a a Bible, and you need to find out if your Bible is good for study or if it's good for devotion. You should try and find a good study Bible that's got word-for-word translation, and you should find a good uh, um, concept Bible that helps you really get what the author's saying in the whole uh, scheme of things, and, and grab hold of a, a paraphrase too, so you can get some devotional expression in there. Okay? All right, a concordance. Does anybody know what a concordance is? Can you believe that someone took literally every word in the Bible and counted how many times and every verse it appears? And this is before computers. But not only that, the concordance, which is great, because how many of you have ever tried to remember a verse? You know this word's in that verse. Where is that verse? Well, a concordance, you go to that word and you can find it. I think it's in the New Testament. I know it's in the New Testament. You go through and you see, ah, there it is. There's the verse. But a concordance can also give you uh, the Greek or Hebrew rendering of the word. So if you go to, we'll just use the word love. See it throughout Scripture. We'll go to the word love in the New Testament. Here's a verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Okay? Now these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Now you go to 1 Corinthians 13, and you look up the word love, and will it give you a reference to Greek or a reference to Hebrew? Why? Why? What's that got to do with anything? Because the New Testament is in Greek. Okay, very good. <laughs> so it would be in Greek because it's in the New Testament. The New Testament was written in Greek. So it'll give you the Greek word there for 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It would happen to be agape. And you would be able to go to the back of the book giving a, a number for the Greek and look up agape and what it means. So you'd have the original language there. Now, what if we're going to look up love in the Old Testament? What is it going to give us, Hebrew or Greek? Hebrew. Hebrew. Why? Because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Okay? 
Now, for some of you are going like, geez, I knew this stuff, but there's some folks that don't, okay? So it's important for us to know. So it's really fun. I would encourage you to buy a concordance. One of the most popular is Strong's Concordance. There's other concordances. But it'll give you word for word, every word in the Bible, it'll give you its Greek or Hebrew definition. Why is that important? Well, when we're looking up the word love, there are four Greek words for the one word we have in English. And it has a difference to it and what the person in the verse you're reading, what they're trying to say. Okay? So we want to do some word studies. You need a concordance. Now, here's the really cool thing. If you don't have any money, but you happen to have a phone, all these tools are free. Just Google Strong's Concordance and you'll get one, okay? And you can look up with the, the same way these, these words. Now, if anybody has a question as we're going along, raise your hand and we can, we can talk about them, okay? Yes. Now, so a concordance is good. It'll help you get into the original language. It'll help you understand. It'll also help you cross-reference. We'll get into that in just a, a few minutes. So you're going to be able to find all the verses that talk about love, and they're going to have an impact on each other. All right, what about a Bible dictionary? What is that? Definition of Bible words explains what it means. You may not want to go to the Greek. You may not want to go to the Hebrew. You just go to your Bible dictionary. What in the world is, is a, an ephod? It's a vest. Who wore an ephod? The high priests. What was on an ephod? The jewels, the 12 tribes. See, and you, you read this word, and it's like, what is this? You get your Bible dictionary, there'll be a picture of it there, and an explanation, and so you'll know what you're reading about, okay? Uh, you can even look up the kinds of plant life and animals and so forth. What's gopher wood? Noah built the ark out of gopher wood. But that's an old English translation for a Hebrew word for a particular kind of wood. I've never seen gophers make wood. You know, maybe that was his first power tool. He took a gopher and... But you go to your Bible dictionary, you'll look up gopher wood, and it'll explain to you in the Middle East and so forth what kind of particular tree uh, that, that Noah was possibly using. You might think, I could care less. But sometimes there's important stuff in all of that. Why would you use a commentary? What, first of all, is a commentary? Anybody? We've got 2,000 years of Christian history of men and women that have studied the Word of God through all that they had been through and all their research. Why not utilize that? And so a guy like Matthew Henry, you've got commentaries from Puritans, you've got commentaries from the ancient church fathers, and as they studied the word and they understood the language, that the, the Greek and the Hebrew, they're coming up with explanations that maybe you never thought of. Sometimes they'll even have illustrations that help you comprehend this. So a good commentary, uh, Matthew Henry's a great standard. Come, you can get it in an abridged one-volume set, and you can, uh, again, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. 
You know, okay, Noah's sons. What's that? I don't understand. And you go read a commentary and they're going to talk to you about how all the different races came from those three and what lands they went into and all this kind of fascinating stuff. So commentaries are available. And again, Bible Hub has all those commentaries listed right below. On any verse, you can get a commentary of anybody. Now, is the commentary equal to the inspiration of Scripture? No, not at all. It's just a help and an aid. Sometimes, after you've done your research and your Bible dictionary, you looked up on the concordance what the Greek and Hebrew was, you looked up a commentary to see what uh, Martin Luther said about the thing, then you know what? Put it all away and ask God. Okay? And let Him speak to you. All right. Uh, Why does it matter about cultural customs and manners of that day? Very good. Because as we're reading it, we're reading it from the bubble of our culture and our understanding of things. Okay? You know, you mentioned the prodigal son. Uh, One of my research papers was on the prodigal son, and I had to look up the cultural mannerisms. And they lived in a shame-honor society. All right? You always honor the father. So the worst thing this prodigal could do was to shame his father and basically want his inheritance. You know what that's saying to his dad? I wish you were dead. His father gave him that. And what is amazing, I didn't know this, but through my studies, the reading commentaries and customs and manners of those times, for a man to run was to show his ankles And so when the father ran to the son, he shamed himself by his love for his own son. He couldn't care less what anyone thought. That adds depth, doesn't it? So all of these things are available to you when you're studying the Bible. Now, some of you, that that might be a little more than what you wanted. Every now and then you need to deep dive. You need to go in some deep dives of trying to understand things. Other times you're going to want to look at Scripture in different ways. Why should we study the Word of God? 2 Timothy 2.15 says, do your best to present yourself to God. Okay? Now, the, the earlier translation, the King James, which most of you are, study to show yourself approved, Right? And, and so what we do with that is we all think we got to be students and study to show ourselves approved. Uh, and some of you are not good students. How many of you were crummy students in school? That's okay, don't be ashamed. Hey, I went into art. My degrees were fine arts because I couldn't write for nothing. Okay, so when you see that word study to show yourself approved, how many of you are intimidated by study in the Bible? Right? Study to show myself approved. I can't remember anything. I have never was a good student. Now you're making me a student. That's not the best translation of that verse. The best translation of that verse is, do your best to present yourself. You see, this is a mirror. You may not be a good student, but can you show up for the teacher? Do yourself to present yourself to the Lord. And that's what this is. You're presenting yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, and here's the key, rightly handling the word of truth. 
So if we study, we won't be ashamed. We'll learn from the Holy Spirit who is teaching us. And he's teaching us the word of truth, and we want to learn how to handle it. We, we need to grow in this and learn. Right? How many of you were great drivers at age 16? <laughs> okay, six of you. Wow, that's impressive. How many of you feel you're better now than when you started? How many of you are just going downhill from there? <laughs> All right. All right, so we need, to, we need to jump into the Word of God. We need to present ourselves to the Word of God. Are you getting this? Yes. Present yourself to the Word of God, and it will do its work in you. Yes. So what's the purpose? How, how can we study the Word? There's different ways to study the Bible. You could study a particular book. How many of you have done this? I need to get into the Word of God. I need to study a book. I think I'll start with Philemon. Come on, how many of you do that, right? Then from Philemon, you move to John, 1 John 3. Why is this a joke? Some of you are like, I don't get it. You got it. Philemon is one page. 1 John is about two paragraphs. No, 3 John is about two paragraphs. Because uh, you feel you got to get through a book. Okay, some of you, I would encourage this. Now, I, I teach this to young pastors uh, and people that are, are students in the Word of God, and I tell them, take one book and read it over a summer. Take one book and every week read it. Read it, and then reread it, then reread it, then reread it. Know that book. Read it by chapter. Read it by verse. By the end of the summer, you will become pretty good at understanding that book. If we would do this, right? Imagine doing that June, July, and August. Just one book. That's what you're digesting over and over. Because how many of you read through a book and you just don't get it all? So then you read it again. And read the book. We stutter. We read and stop. We get stuck in a thing and we just don't go any further. Read the whole book, the context of all of what he's trying to say in that whole book. And then read it again. And then if you get a chance, read it again. And then once you've read it again, guess what? Read it again. And you'll saturate that book. Now, then there's word studies. All right? Some of you may need to do a study on a word. How many of you have listened to a sermon or in a study or, or on a car radio or something, and a word just jumps out at you? Now, a couple weeks ago, uh, I did a study on the tithe. Do a study on that word. Where does it come from? Where is it in the New Testament? What does it mean? Get a word study. Get your commentaries out. What does somebody else say? Okay? There's topical studies. What's a... An in, okay, here's an interesting topical study. Human sexuality. Should the church know anything about it? Yeah, I mean, our culture right now is absolutely bonkers in disintegrating the created order of gender. What's the Bible say about it? So do a study on it as a topic, okay? Don't just go and read everybody's blog. You do a study on the Word of God on what human sexuality is. Character study. How many of you have ever studied a person? King David, right? 
Moses, Jonah. You know, I did a study on King David. And as I studied King David, I found out, man, I don't like this guy at all. Has anybody found that out? This, I did not like him. I didn't like the way he treated people and women. I just did not like this guy, and I didn't understand why he's a man after God's own heart. But if we didn't have his diary, the book of Psalms, it blows you away. And you realize, here's a man that was pretty messed up, but hungered after God through all of his mistakes. Now it's like, oh, I get the guy. I think it's me. See, that's the thing. God was so gracious to David. I'm sorry I'm getting sidetracked, but i got to do this. God was so gracious to David. Do you know that at least on three to four occasions he should have been struck dead by the law of God? He should have. And God struck other people dead because of what he did. But he hungered after God's heart and grace. And he says himself, if not for the grace of God. You know, so... Yeah, quick to repent, and he understood his sin. So these are a number of reasons. Do a book study, do a word study, do a topical study, or a character study. you got to decide how or why you want to do that. Now, um, there are th- three different ways to do a study. An inductive study is going deep into the Word To learn and know God. To learn and know God and His Word of truth and rightly dividing the Word. You may study the Word of God for direction, personal direction. How many of you have gone to the Bible because you've got to make a decision? You don't know if it's right or wrong. You you need to figure out, should I marry this person? Should I not marry this person? Should I take this job? Shouldn't I take this job? What should I do? And so you might go into a Bible study and study the Word for your own personal direction in life. One is to learn more about God and the Word of God and truth. The other is to get direction for yourself. The third, another one is for devotion. How many of you just read the Word of God, get up, maybe you read a devotional? What's a devotional? It's a commentary. Someone takes a verse for the day and writes a little devotional, tells a little story, but it gives you the verse so that you get ministered to. And so maybe you're not in a study right now for direction. Maybe you're not in a study right now for deeper, deeper learning, but you, you know, uh, what's, uh, hey Alexa, what's the verse of the day? Does that count for anything? Why not? Right? Or how many of you get a word of the day on your Instagram or whatever? And it's for devotion. You read that word. How many of you read a word in the morning and stayed with you all day? It's devotional. It's, it's imprinting in you. It's, it's having an impact. That's good too. All these different dimensions for the Word of God. And some of us forfeit all of it because you think, I'm not smart enough or I can't do it. And you need to. How many of you drink coffee in the morning? All right, you should have a word from the Lord every morning. (laughs) In in the Word. Read a word. I don't mean a prophetic word. I just mean read the Word. 
If you need coffee to get going, read the Word to get going, right? How many of you turn on the radio first thing when you get in the car? Come on, we're all conditioned to do it. <laughs> it's already on, okay, good. Yeah, all right, but put some Word in there, Tina, and worship. Okay, good for you. And that's devotion, isn't it? Stirs your spirit. All these things qualify and are good. Some people get real uh, hard-nosed about it, you know. You've got to spend an hour in the Word every day and do this and do that. And, and you know what? There's just so many different ways to draw from the Holy Spirit and, and get and receive the Word. How many of you know that, and I'm not recommending this, but there have been times I haven't had a chance, I haven't looked at the Bible, I haven't read the Bible, but the Holy Spirit's got a Bible in me. And He brings Scripture to my remembrance. It's the same when you study the Word of God. It's the same every day when you get up. There is opportunity to go in many different directions with Jesus. He might talk to you, again, through a secular song. He might talk to you through a worship song. He might talk to you through somebody else's cubicle. You might be driving by and you see a billboard and God hammers you with a, a phrase that stirs you. This is a living, breathing relationship with Jesus. Don't get robbed by the devil or different attitudes that are saying you're not good enough, you're not doing it right, you're this and that. Live with Jesus and interact with Him. Amen?